special time. Boy, they're all smiling now that I mentioned this. They're so excited about the things that they learn, the things that God is doing in each of their individual lives. And we're going to have a time now where um, we've got some testimonies. I'm going to do it in a, somewhat of a unique fashion, but we've got some testimonies from several of them, maybe all of them, I guess, all of them, okay, including Luke and Emily. Just to hear how things go. What did you learn? What, what challenges did you uh, go through? So I get to read many of these, and then we'll have another special opportunity for Nick is going to come and also share a little bit about his experience as well. So the first testimony is from Luke. Luke says, This week at camp I was challenged to remember that because Christ bore my sins, past, present, and future, my pursuit of holiness is not to be taken lightly. I'm saved by his grace alone, therefore he deserves my best. I will fail, but because of Christ's work on the cross, my failure is not final. Sarah. Sarah says, one word to describe camp was insightful. One thing I took from the morning and night services was that life is a short chance to find Jesus eternally. After this life is, is eternity, and that is a long time. I've been thinking about what it would mean to give Jesus my all in all rather than just leftovers with my time and energy and all things. A verse from this week would be Philippians 1.21 for me, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. Wow. Mom is beaming. I don't know if you know this. Huh? Lily says, this week I learned that in life you either have faith in God and devote your life to him or you don't. There's no in-between. A life of indifference is still a life away from God. One should not delay in worshiping him because after this brief life, there will be eternity. We'll either spend it with him in a perfect heaven or we'll spend it in an eternal separation from our creator. Satan and many others have made their choice and I want to choose to devote myself daily to God in the here and now. Another amen. Angelique says... All the sermons preached all had their own distinct individual lessons. However, the main point proven in all of them was that in order to live a godly life, you need to be fully committed to God. There's no neutrality. You will, either serve, you will serve either Jesus Christ or the devil. From learning this, I want to start living more like Jesus and really commit into growing a bond with him and with scripture. Amen. Abigail says, as a Christian, I've always shied away from reading too much of, of the book of Revelation. It's because I know everything that it states is certain. I never think much about death. For me, it seems so far away. But this week, something changed my perspective. I felt the closest I've ever felt to Jesus. It was as if he was sitting right beside me, teaching and leading me. He humbled me, and he opened my heart. The pastor preached about the fall through sin and the future hope we have through Christ. He made a statement that really got to me. In the end, we all serve some type of God. In the end, we either follow Jesus or we're planning to destroy him. I learned more deeply the value of life and the value of following Jesus. He includes me in his story. I have an opportunity to live with him forever. I knew all of this before camp, but I've never seen myself as part of the creator's amazing story. Something clicked inside of me. Why would I ever doubt Jesus? Why would I ever choose to not follow him? The pastor also talked about Peter denying Jesus three times. 
He talked about how we all sin and, and have a weak flesh. Jesus knows our weaknesses, yet continues to help us. I learned that even if the road of life is hard, I'll fall short, and I fall short over and over again. The Creator loves me and has a place for me in heaven. I'll serve him with all that I have for the small time I have on earth, for his glory, his name, and his story. I've learned to stop trusting myself so much and trust the one who made me. If I can put eternity in his hands, why have I been having trouble putting simple decisions in his hands? I've learned to give it all to him, everything. I'm nothing without him. Let me just say, I can't wait to spend eternity with him forever. <laughs> Talk about you crying. A verse I memorized at camp reminded me what I am without God. For it is written, none are righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside and together have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And that's in Romans 3, verses 10 to 12. Well, let's pause from hearing my voice. Nick, come up and share your thoughts and the results of your time in camp. So, before the camp, I felt like I never understood who Jesus really was. The weight of my sins and the weight that Jesus sacrificed himself in our, in our place. In this camp, I really felt like I was the closest to Jesus. And it felt like he was teaching me things here. I've now learned that now, instead of looking for ways to numb my pain and suffering from my sin, I look for ways to glorify God instead. I realized that because Jesus lives again, I live again. That when we weep, Jesus weeps with us. When Jesus commands us to come to him, all we have to do is listen. That God formed everything through speaking in, into existence. But when he made us, he got his hands dirty, formed us like a potter in his image, and breathed life into us. I learned that even though we were, were, were sinners, undeserving of worth, God gives us worth. That even when the devil wants us, that Jesus wants us more. That when I fell and embarrassed, shameful, guilty, and in pain. I should not turn away from God, but to look at him and humble myself before him. Because when we fail, God is looking at us, wanting us to come back to him. That I learned that the, that the humble ones are the ones that go to heaven, and the prideful ones are the ones that don't. I learned that Jesus loves me, and that he gave me a purpose to glorify him. Thank you. Amen, and you're dismissed. <laughs> good stuff does that's what god does in our hearts when we when we focus our lives and we we gather with others of like faith we listen to the word we're challenged we're it's good things it's the same thing that's happening on a sunday morning so your engagement here can accomplish the same thing in your life so one more one more emily says this this week was a beautiful reminder of God's sovereignty, his authority, his purposefulness, and his unimaginable love. The stories and the lessons highlighted our need as sinful and broken creatures for a perfect, holy, and loving Savior. It reminded me of his unique ability to be wholly what I am, excuse me, wholly what I need, even when I forget, because of the temporary distractions and pains of life. I was refreshed by his word and encouraged to return to my daily mission field that had been, become a very discouraging place for me. One of the stories we studied was about the man who was set free from the legion of demons. 
He asked to go with Jesus, his deliverer, but was denied. Instead, Christ asked him to stay in the land where the people had chosen to reject and expel Jesus, even after seeing his life-changing miracle firsthand. He was asked to be a daily reminder and living testimony to the hardened mission field. I need to trust God, that God has me where he has me and that he's put the people he has in my sphere for a reason. Those reasons are sovereignly his. I need only to live daily as a testimony for him and leave the life changing up to him. So Denise and I decided yesterday that we were tired. <laughs> Go figure, like everyone else, right? It just life seems to come at you sometimes. And I had been working like a madman, and and she had been out of town and visiting her her dad for Father's Day. And we decided that we were going to go and have a picnic in at Woods Canyon Lake. Do a little hiking around on the rim and do all of that kind of stuff. And we got there, and we, we had about a half an hour or so. and Well, maybe a little bit more than that. We got to hike a little bit, and, and then it started to rain. <laughs> and... Uh, and yet, not experiencing rain very often. It was just fine. Anyway, we finished our day, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it in a little while. But uh, we came home, and um, about 6 o'clock, got a call from Luke, and he just wasn't feeling well. And so he asked if this morning I might be able to share some things with you guys, and I said that I would. And I've, I think... I think it's timely, actually. Not that Luke's illness is timely. Don't tell him I said that, okay. But I think it's, it's timely for us to, to take a, a pause and step back and look at uh, some of the things that he's been teaching us these last few weeks about the church and about leadership. And you recall uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about elders and their importance and it's a unique position. It's, it's uh, unique individuals that are gifted in certain ways, not better than anyone else, just unique and special and given to the church for safety, for strength, for important things that cause the church to be strong. And the church is charged with <clears throat> determining who those are and then choosing them out to represent them and to stand in the gap. Sorry, I always cry when I think of elders. I apologize. That position is so critical and so important for the strength and the stability of a local church. And then the office of deacon and just being a servant and seeing those that are serving us stepping up and standing alongside of the elders to, to lead us and to serve in various ways that are important. And you know from Acts chapter 6 and from some other passages that those positions were critical for the elders and those at that time in Acts chapter 6, the apostles, but ultimately the elders to be able to be successful. Deacons were critical positions. You recall, I hope, if you don't, go back and read Acts chapter 6. You recall that in Acts 6 it says, it's not good. the elders were saying, it's not good for us to neglect what? The word of God and prayer. Choose out from among yourselves. They were talking to the church. Choose out from among yourselves seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, to do these things. 
so that the elders could focus on the word and on prayer and strength and stability. And they did it, and the church was stronger. And so we've, we've looked at all of those, the, those two positions, and maybe it's an opportunity for us today in an abbreviated time frame <laughs> to take a step back and look at Look at the, the foundation of all of that. How do, you, how do you determine who those leaders are? What is a, what, what, and maybe a better way of asking that is, what should you and I be doing to encourage or to confirm that we are growing in the direction that will help us to become those kinds of people as well? Men or women is irrelevant. The point is, what do we need to be doing to become that kind of a person? Ultimately, possibly a leader. But really, it's, it's the, the idea of what does a Christian need to be doing, the believer need to be doing to be certain that we're growing? What are some aspects that make us strong? What are some activities that we need to be involved in to make us strong? And so I've got three points that I want to look at today. Ironically, in two hours last night, I came up with three points, all beginning with the letter H. <laughs> But there are three areas in our lives that, that help us to grow, that, that, that are indicators that we are growing. Three areas. The first is our home. The second is our habits. And the third is our heart. So listen close. And let's look at each of those and see what the Bible says about the part that each one of those plays in determining whether we're growing or not. We're going to be looking at some passages you guys have already looked at, or we've already looked at over the last few weeks, maybe some new ones, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll gather, we'll, we'll gain some insight. So the first place I'd like for you to turn is in 1 Timothy chapter 3. In that wonderful passage, the first seven verses talk about the requirements of an elder. And though verse 8 through... Uh, 13, 14, talk about the requirements of a deacon. They're, they're very, very similar. And what I'm about to talk about, as far as our home goes, they're in both of those passages. So whether you're deacon, elder, uh, believer, the home plays a critical role in our growth. So look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Hey, let's begin reading in verse 2. Paul says, an overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, Prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, which, by the way, is the only difference between elder and deacon, apt to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. Now listen close to verse 4. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? I think what Paul is pointing out is, is, is that the home is, is a crucible where the qualities and the lifestyles uh, of a leader uh, are initiated and they grow into the character that's required for us to be successful as leaders. So the home is a, is a, is a crucible where, where we, need to be, we, we need to see these things uh, changing and growing. We dare not get the cart before the horse. We dare not choose out leaders among us 
where their home life is not in line with 1 Timothy chapter 3. And so the home is an important part. If you aspire to leadership in the church, it begins with your personal life, with your actions and attitudes, with, with your home, with your spouse, with your children. It, 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 and it doesn't matter if you're a teenager, your home is still a critical part of where important lessons are learned. And right now, as that teenager who's close to being released to go out into life, though now you may still be under the authority of mom and dad, one day that's going to change, and mom and dad and you will have that conversation, and you'll know when that happens. You'll always honor your parents, regardless of your age. But the day will come when you're released from, from that uh, authority that they have over you. And each person, that time is at a different time. But the home, even as a teenager, even as a single adult, your home is a critical place where important lessons are learned. And it's a place where we can go and look to see, is this person ready for leadership in our local church? The home is the first place we ought to be looking. How are things looking there? The second thing that I want you to see is a leader also needs to be strong in their habits. Turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. You're in 1 Timothy already, so just obviously over one chapter, excuse me, one book. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And the first habit that uh, a leader should be strong in is, is their, their habit of Bible study. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Paul says to Timothy, a young pastor, be diligent. Present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Doing what? Handling accurately the word of truth. Look over in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy and begin reading with me in verse 14. You, however, Timothy, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you were, you, you've known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Listen to verse 16. All scripture. Have, have I ever asked you what all means? All means all. And that's all all means. All scripture is inspired of God. That means God breathed. It originates with him. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man, the woman of God, may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So the word of God, that, that the habit of Bible study is something that needs to be infused in us. It needs to be something that is, is, is we, we just can't let it go. It's something we've got to do. It should become a habit that is, is all-encompassing. The same is true of prayer. There's three or four habits that I want to talk to you guys about today. The habit of Bible study, the habit of prayer. Are you habitually in prayer? If, you, if, you're, if you're turning with me everywhere I'm going, turn back to Matthew chapter 21, please. Listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 21 And verse 21 and 22. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you'll not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. Now listen to verse 22. 
all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Do you believe that? Prayer should be driving you. And the verse that we just read in 1 John chapter 5, uh, if you would like, turn over with me. 1 John chapter 5 is, a, is just a special, special reminder of what God does for his people in the, in the area of prayer. 1 John 5 verse 14 and 15, it says this, this is the confidence. <laughs> this is the confidence that we have before him. That whatever we, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we've asked from him. That's the confidence that we have. How's your prayer life? These are such basic, basic things, but they're so profound. Because if you're studying the word of God regularly, it's a habit in your life. If your prayer life is something that moves you and is regularly something, every opportunity you have, appropriate opportunity, if you're going to pray when you're driving, don't close your eyes, those kinds of things. But oh, a couple of you smiled. Is it a habit in your life? It needs to be. That passion, that passion to meet with your heavenly father and spend time with him. He waits. Can you imagine? The creator of the universe waits to hear your voice, waits for your focus, and he waits to answer your prayers that are according to his will. He hears you, and he gives you what you ask for. The creator, God, loves you that much. Is it a habit for you to meet with the creator who wants to meet with you? Leaders are habitual in their study of the word. They're habitual in their time in prayer. So critical for them. Thirdly, and this is one that uh, you know, we don't hear a lot about, and we should. I know Luke and I have talked about it, but it's the habit of witnessing, sharing your faith. Do you remember the words in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? If you don't, I'm going to tell you what they are. <laughs> well, let's turn there. So you can, you can jot this verse down so that it can be another one of those verses that you look at as you review today's message. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall, in you, the you is the body. At that moment, those that were hearing his voice, they were the believers, but it obviously includes us. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem where they currently were, and Judea and Samaria, just the regions right out, and to the remotest part of the earth. That includes Maricopa. It includes Arizona. You and I are called to be his witnesses. And a habit of sharing your faith is a habit that we all ought to develop. And a part of our discipleship process needs to be learning how to do that. If someone were to walk up to us today and say, what does it mean to be saved? They're basically saying, share the gospel with me. What is it? Can you take them to verses and, and explain what it means that Jesus died on the cross for their sin and yours? That he rose from the grave to prove that what he said he was going to do and who he was is true. And our sins were placed upon him on the cross. 
And by placing our faith in him and him alone, we can find forgiveness and salvation today and live with him for eternity. Can you share the gospel? God said we're going to be his witnesses to the remotest parts of the earth. You and I ought to be doing that. And that's something, that's a habit that, that, believe, that, that leaders should engage in. And the fourth one, just, I'll just talk about four. I've got more, but the four habits that we'll look at today. The word, Bible study, witnessing, prayer, and then lastly is accountability. Do you remember Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, another one of those verses that I committed to memory early on? We throw it around a lot. You may not remember that it's Proverbs 27, but I bet you know what it says. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We've got to be accountable to one another. If you are living in this, this island where no one's involved in your life, no one hears the challenges you've got, no one is praying for you and you for them, no one has an idea of what's going on in your life and you don't know what's happening for them and you're not being held accountable for your lifestyle and your, and your decisions and I'm not being held accountable for the same, then this island that I'm living on is a dangerous place to be. God wants us to sharpen each other. That's what the word koinonia means. Koinonia is Greek for fellowship. Fellowship isn't getting together necessarily and having a sandwich and hanging out. Though that's fun. Fellowship is sharpening one another. Getting together and getting engaged in someone's life. Challenging them and then you. And working, working those issues together. And being open to share what's going on in your life. You know, and that's not stepping up and, and sharing everything with the whole body necessarily. If you feel moved to do that, feel free. We'll pray for you, we promise. But to find one person or a couple people where you can say, I'm struggling. I need to have victory in this area of my life and I need you to pray for me. Accountability, in some ways, is one of the greatest indicators of your spiritual maturity. And if you're living on this island and nobody's engaged with you and you're not engaged with anyone else, that's what discipleship is. And friend, you're in a dangerous place. And it's not a place where God ever intended you to be. He intends you to be engaged with the body. Not just Sunday at 10 o'clock, as critical as that is. You know what my position is on this meeting. But there's more to it, guys. Do you have someone like that? Habits of leaders. Denise and I... Um, during the rain yesterday, we decided to drive through Christopher Creek. And if you guys have been up there, you know, you know the new road goes right past it. It used to go through this little town, and, and uh, I just love the place. I haven't been there in years. And I told her, I said, you know, there used to be a little diner in Christopher Creek. It had great burgers. What do you say, since it's raining, we'll stop in and see if we can't grab lunch there. Sure enough, it was there, and we went inside and got a nice little table with window that I could see the parking lot and had our meal and just had a wonderful time. But something happened during that meal that, that moved me, and it was this. There was a couple that was also having lunch there, and at different times, both of them, one at a time, walked out of the, and, and it was raining like crazy, okay? It's really coming down, which we thought was cool. 
But anyway, the, the woman walked out into the midst of the parking lot in the downpour and stood there and smoked a cigarette. She comes back in, <laughs> and her husband, or whoever, whoever he was, went out and did the same thing. Now, I am not judging, I'm not, the, the point is, is that's commitment. That's a habit that you will not allow anybody or any circumstance to keep you from engaging in. You don't, it doesn't matter what's happening. It can be an earthquake. You've been running, you're going to light one up, apparently. I don't know. These people are standing in a, in a rainstorm that was, there was lightning. I'm thinking, you guys are going to get killed while you're doing, but, you know, we, first we were going, I can't believe it. And I was thinking, Lord, is my prayer life that committed? Will I not allow anything to divert me from getting in your word? Can I even get up half an hour early, 15 minutes early? So I got to go to work at 5.30, 6 o'clock. So can't I get up at 5 and read a little bit? Are my habits, am I as committed to these things as that person I saw yesterday? No judgment, that's not my point. My point is, wow, this guy's committed. Because I mean, it is coming down. And he's there doing his thing because he will not be denied. And when we get to the place where we will not be denied to spend time in the word, we won't allow anything to keep us from being on our knees and, get, and engaging with our Heavenly Father. At that moment, your life will be transformed. At that very moment. So we have the habit of, excuse me, we have uh, home and we have uh, our habits. And the third H <laughs> that I want you to see is a leader's commitment to, or a leader is also strong in the heart. And the, by the heart, I mean they have a heart for pouring into people's lives. They have a heart for discipleship. Remember the verse in 2 Timothy? We've talked about this verse so many times, but I'm going to read it to you again because if you haven't committed it to memory yet, you should. 2 Timothy 2.2. Again, Paul is, is discipling, <laughs> encouraging this young pastor because he knows his time is limited. It's soon to be over, and Timothy's going to be on his own. And he encourages him by saying, listen, 2 Timothy 2.1, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And here it is. The things which you've heard from me, things as in scriptural teaching, doctrine, whatever it is, the things that you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these very things entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That is the heart of discipleship. Committing our lives, committing ourselves, committing our time, committing our families, committing our relationships to pouring into, first allowing someone else. If you're a new believer and you're still getting your feet wet, you're still learning the word and you don't feel confident in, in committing those things to other men, then allow someone to commit to you in the short term while you prepare your own self to begin to pour into other people's lives. That's the key. 
A heart for discipleship. You, you remember, I know you know these verses, so I'll just go over them real quickly. You know that our mandate for discipleship comes, uh, comes from Jesus. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go therefore and do what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And what's all mean? Okay. All that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. How is he with us today? He's with us through the indwelling, empowering spirit of God that lives in the hearts of every believer. Our teacher. Our empowerment. He's with us today. We need to make disciples. That's our mandate from Jesus. That's why we're here. We are here to make disciples. How's that going? We as a local church, as we move forward through this process of choosing leadership and walking through all of the, 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 the exciting times and yet challenging times of organization and planning and taking those next steps, discipleship and the process of discipleship, specific discipleship is going to be outlined. Best, best discipleship process, not necessarily, but the one that we're going to use and I encourage you to be praying for that, to be ready to engage and step into it so that we're all engaged in the process of having the heart that God wants, a heart of discipleship, being concerned about not only my own walk, but the walk of those around me, and any way that I can help encourage them, I'll do it. So our mandate is from Jesus. Our mission, our mission in making disciples is that we might be like Jesus. We need to be Christ-like. That's our goal. And so discipleship and the, the, the topics that we, um, we, we enter into, the studies that we do, the processes that we engage in, all of those have one goal in mind, Christ-likeness. You heard it in the testimonies of, 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 our, of our young people today. Basically, every one of them said that. I want to be like Christ. That's discipleship. That's our mission. And our means, our method for making disciples, you know I'm going to say it, it's through relationships. You can't become a disciple on an island. That little island that you were living on before, <laughs> you never be a disciple. Discipleship happens in relationship. When we're sharpening and encouraging and challenging and admonishing. Do you know how little admonishment happens today in the church? It's so unfortunate. For you to step up to me and say, Mike, you have done this, you are doing that, you are living this, and I am struggling with that. Is there any way I can help you? And for me to not go, well, that's none of your business. I, that's, not what, that's not the response. My response needs to be, you're right. And if Jesus were here, he'd say the same thing. And so I need my friend to pray for me. I need my friend to come alongside of me. And that admonishment is intended to see change and confession and repentance and movement in the way that God wants us to go. That's how discipleship happens. That's how it happens. So as we move forward, 
we've seen eldership, we've seen the deaconate, we've, we, we're moving forward in other, in other uh, church development topics. As we do that, remember, remember the steps that we ought to be looking at ourselves with. How's my home? How are my habits? And how is, our, how is my heart? Is my heart really committed to being the person that God left me here to be? If it is, exciting days ahead. It really is exciting days ahead. But you have to realize that the people that are going to make this church accomplish what God intends for us to accomplish are sitting in this room. It's you guys. It's me. Don't tell him I said this. Maybe it's a good thing Luke's not here today. Because Luke can't do everything. Every person in this room, every believer in this room, has been given a gift or gifts by the Spirit of God when he came into your life in order for you to engage with the body and use that spiritual gift to impact my life and mine for you. I happen to be using one of mine right now. You can be using yours at every time we come together. And your gift is critical for our strength. Your gift is critical for our growth. And when you find out what that is, if you don't know, or if you already know, and you just haven't found an outlet for that, when you find that outlet, the joy and the excitement and the accomplishment for the kingdom of God is unbelievable. It's the people in this room that make this church strong that will help us to reach the lost in our community. That's why we're here. That will help us make disciples of all of us. It's not the one or two while everybody stands back and claps. It's all of us engaged and empowered accomplishing what God absolutely loves. Will you commit to do that? Let's commit together today to look at our homes, to check out our habits. Would you stand in the rain? Check out our heart and see if our commitment to doing what Jesus left us here to do is true and real and powerful. Would you do that with me today? Let's close in prayer. Father, as we do close, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for all of the truth that we can learn as we open it together. And we want to be the kind of people that you've described for us today. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, as you are making commitments today to be a person that checks out their home, that develops their habits, that ensures their heart is strong, I want to pray for you. You take the opportunity to share with one other person, perhaps, that you're making that commitment. And they will pray for each other. And the church will grow and be stronger. And we'll see wonderful things ahead as we make disciples and reach the lost as we wait for the coming king. It's around the corner. He's coming at any time. What will he find us doing when he comes? That's the real question of the hour. So let's do first things first and learn to become the people he desires for us to be. We thank you for the chance to be here today.
grateful that you've been our teacher and that the Spirit of God would take what we've heard and challenge us and change us. We pray together in Jesus' name.